Hello. Hello. There you are. All right. Yes. My new recording software is recording. The waveform is forming. It's working exactly as planned. What's the plan? The plan is plan is for me to not sound like I'm uh, slowly dissolving into bits, into audio so, bits. Do you want to check that, or should we just? I may at some point hope for the best. Pause the recording, edit out me checking it, and maybe we'll take five in a little bit. And I mean, yes, we'll mostly hope for the best. Is the short answer to what you're saying? Uh, oh man, yeah, I was using some free software. And now I'm using some not free software. So we'll see. How's it going? It is. Brock? G- good, Cameron. Yes. The, the kids seem like they're sleeping, which is all I can hope for. <laughs> Same. We had some issues. Uh, one kid, I mean, I don't know. I don't have, uh, I only have generic sounding kid stories from the tonight. Like one kid got out of bed and the other kid got out to report on that kid. And then they both came running in and then one, they both suddenly had to poop at the exact same time. <laughs> and, you know, kids stories. It happens. Kids, yeah. They sink their pooping for some reason well they're both in a bunk bed together there's some biological thing yeah. uh, man i don't want to i i really we already ta- got to poop kids and poop uh, i don't like that's a large part of my life i mean if i understand why people don't want to hear about it but when when you live it day in and day out it's just uh the reality it's is odd. it's odd to avoid certain things with people who either don't have kids or don't really want to talk about it because you're sort of like pretending like 80% of your life doesn't happen. I I mean I think that I I err on the side of be, being kind of talkative about my kids at work. I uh, I mm-hmm. think that I I don't want to be guy with kids guy, but Sometimes they, like you said, it's like a, a large amount of experiences that you have are uh, directly influenced by your children's role in your life. So you end up having to make an effort to not come up with anecdotes that don't involve children or like reasons that you were or weren't a place or whatever. Um, fortunately, my kids are adorable. So usually I can just fall back on showing a cute picture of them. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel like I'm too annoying with it. But, uh, I mean, yeah, like, in the poop, I mean, you know what? Kids need to know where the poop comes from. They need to know what to do with it. They need to know what not to do with it. Uh, there are, kids do not come with any pre-built uh, intuition whatsoever. And, right. Uh, yeah. I, and at a younger age, they, I think they, they imagine, since it's something that might happen to you daily, that it's going to be, like, a bigger part of normal life and, like, just general conversation you know around three yeah you know they're just it's everything they it's the default funny thing they can talk about what point does it just hit them like oh i have to pretend this doesn't happen yeah i i think that um we're trying to err on the like i don't know like with a lot of things we're trying to be upfront and also more permissive, I think, than like I was growing up, where like a fart joke would not have fl- flown in my house at all. Uh, <laughs> like if if a fart happened, the actual family familial response to a fart occurring was like dead silence, and then someone saying, "Do you need to go to the restroom?" <laughs> well, that's pretty serious. <laughs> yeah, it was it was taken very seriously. Now I'm not saying that like my family is is all potty jokes and stuff, but Archer has I think like eight Captain Umber- Underpants books, and we watched that the Captain Underpants movie, which is actually really charming together. And like he, I I think it's actually helping, right? Because it's teaching him that like there there is uh, things that are appropriate in the context of humor, and that that context is sometimes different than just casual conversation, you know. Yeah, okay. I can see that. We we sort of separate if it's just my family. Um and I understand you have to teach them how to behave, but if it's just us, the nuclear family, uh I just do whatever I think will make the kids laugh and annoy Abigail the most. So if <laughs> a fart happens, we stare at each other, like classically stare at each other and then all like laugh as loud as possible. And Abigail will 
roll her eyes or walk out of the room. And uh, okay. There are no women in the house. I so there's a little bit of a I mean there's a there's a gender uh imbalance in your household that isn't Very in much. my in my house, household where I think you can uh, sort of leverage that a little bit more than I can. Um oh so uh speaking of kids and and not speaking of poop I'm very proud of my son who just turned seven. He finished his first book, like uh, I would say non-Captain Underpants novel yesterday. Oh, what was it? Uh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, crazy. My son is reading that currently for the first time. Oh, that is awesome. I, uh, we, he seemed amazed by it. He had some good like reading words before learning them questions. Uh, I'm trying, <laughs> like the... Uh, there's a horn that they get in that book, and he, and you didn't understand that you could like blow in a horn to make a trumpet sound because it's like uh-huh. a. You know, so that I mean, was hard to explain. <laughs> I've never done it, right? Like, <laughs> and, and it doesn't. That's not intuitive at all, right? To think like, oh, there's a you know an animal like a horn, and by horn they mean animal horn, and by animal horn they mean musical instrument, <laughs> right? It's uh, so there's been a little bit of that stuff. Uh, he seemed interested with it. I think what we're going to do with the next one, because this is his first like uh, novel, and also it's a fantasy series, right? It's a whole universe mm-hmm. and parallel magic worlds and stuff. Um, we're going. I'm going to like read the next book alongside him. Like when he finishes, finishes a chapter, you're supposed to let me know, and then I'll read it too. So, oh, okay, that's cool. Also, because heck, I want to read that series again. It's I read it a bunch growing up. Oh yeah, it's been a while. Um. I so he's reading that I will read him I will read to him more uh I don't know elaborate or adult type stuff that he wants to hear and I think I've mentioned this before but yeah like the Silmarillion or something with well yes right that um <laughs> go straight for the easy stuff very fascinated with Lovecraft which is for those who aren't familiar you know Cthulhu is probably your best bet. I think that I think you're going to have a hard time finding someone that knows who Cthulhu is, but not Lovecraft. I think you're safe (laughs) in that regard. (laughs) You'd be surprised, perhaps. I guess so. But anyway, um, those kind of things. But it's really hard to get through because every if I'm there, everything's a question. Um, Just like. What is that? I mean, it's good to ask questions, but it's just like if I'm gone and it's just him, he tries to figure it out. And I've, it seems to be a very recurring theme with kids. Like if you don't let them see you, they seem cool. And the moment they see you, they want you to like dictate or, uh, you know, figure out. I, I think what that's a do or order good, them to do something. Yeah, that that I think that's a good tendency. Uh, like for the most part, like I don't know that. I think Archer is a little bit before that, where he is still figuring out that. Like we do reading time right before bed every night. There's uh, there's toothbrush. Then you get in your bed, and then you'll get like fifteen or t- uh, thirty minutes to read uh, with just the closet light on or, or whatever. And uh, the last Saturday, you know, he's getting really into this. Why uh, in the words of the wardrobe? He generally reads one chapter a night. And last Saturday, he's hanging around complaining because he doesn't want to do his little circuits thing. He doesn't want to. All he wants to do is play Zelda. And if I don't stop him from playing Zelda all the time, he will uh, start cellular bonding at a cellular level with the the Switch controller. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I said, hey, why don't you, you know, sit down in the rocking chair and read your book? And he said, but it's not reading time. And I, and I introduced like the concept that he could be reading that book at any point, And his eyes just sort of darted to the side. And then he ran off and got his book. It was very cute. Um, but as we've discussed before, Archer's very <laughs> permissiveness and structure oriented. So to be, a, right. it wasn't like, he would never been told that he wasn't, he had sort of inferred a rule, you know, that it's called reading time. Therefore, um, so hopefully he'll be doing how, more of that, but he's, so he hasn't been how, very adventurous with books. How early do you think we should, or at all, but how early do you think we should push kids to recognize that 
most of the things they encounter in life structure wise, you know, uh, family, school, laws, government, religion, everything, you know, at whatever level they understand it is just created, right? And so you have to see it and there's reasons why to do it or not, uh, whatever. But like at a kid, it's so natural to just accept that things are a certain way. And I think it's healthy to a point. How much do you think we should be like just dropping little hints of, you know, this is, we do this, but you know, other people don't, or we don't right. have to do this. Uh, I don't know. Maybe their brains are physically not ready for it at a younger age. I don't know. So that, that is a, a thing. I have, uh, the guy I play music with, uh, he, prior to his current uh, role also at the sweet company that I work for making music gear website stuff. Uh, he did a, I think a significant amount of postgrad stuff that was uh, early childhood education and psychology kind of stuff. And he told me uh-huh. about like uh, when a child is very young, they, they will screw up words and they'll be able to say like a vowel or a consonant sound, but they'll screw it up in the context of a word. And that's literally because there's a part of your brain that handles uh, combining sounds and expressing them in a certain way that is not developed yet. And that's mapped. Uh, that's a, you know, so there is a, uh, there is a physical limitation to a child being able to not screw up a multi-syllable word or a sound combination that eventually goes away as they get older. Uh, so, I like I I wanted when you mentioned like the their ability to cogently put together uh the art, or to handle the concept of certain rules being arbitrary or subjective and stuff I think that's actually probably maybe maybe also an, an actual physical limitation I don't know I'm not professor child brain over here uh to answer your question though which like, is confusing well I mean I I. I don't want to intrude upon actual professor child brains, you know, territory out there. Right. He sounds like a very, um, it's pronounced doctor rather than I think (laughs) it's pronounced Childebron. Childebron. Uh, so, uh, although I might actually agree with professor Childebron here that, 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 that there's a, um, physical. All right. So anyway, regardless of that stuff, uh, the, do so do i think or when do i think those concepts should be introduced i think it depends on the thing um that's so for for archer already i will say that i i want those things to be not even something i have to introduce for the most part but just a fact of uh the world that he lives in so i don't want him to have to have a point where he realizes that there are poor people and rich people and all sorts of different types of looking people and all those things, because every time he walks out of his door in Chicago, he's going to see poor people, rich people, all sorts of different kinds of people. Um, and alongside that, like uh, last uh, Christmas, we went to a, a friend's Hanukkah get together and we talked about Hanukkah some, and he took that all down in stride at no point. I think that he isn't, although he's very rule oriented, he doesn't universally apply those rules to everyone. He takes them more internally. At least for right now. That was a very okay. long answer, I guess. No, I mean, it was a very expansive question. So all told, yeah. it's a pretty concise answer. Uh, yeah, I think I very, in a lot of ways, I'm very anti-structure. Not structure, but I'm I'm very anti-accepting anything without knowing that it's arbitrary in some way and then it has a function and that's generally why it exists but i think i also take for granted one it's probably a peculiarity of the way i think as well but two that i was raised and i think most people are in a fairly matter of fact these are the things you take for granted and the way things are in whatever way your parents or the group that you grew up with feels is most positive. Sure. And so having somewhere to come from is actually pretty important to understanding why things might be different than they are. Um, yeah. Cause if you just have no nothing and I, I have no way to know that cause I already had the structure. Right. So I, I should 
I probably should balance it somewhat. Yeah, I think uh, there was a. I think some of it's intentional. The the part that I'm, I think, is easier to address is the the part of it that wasn't intentional growing up. That was just environmental, right? Like there were uh, the stuff that I'm describing about yeah, how like we're raising Archer, who you see, and right what they they're exposed to. I don't want like diversity of uh, people group or socioeconomic diversity or any of the other. Uh, sort of realities of the world on that level to be special events that need explaining. I kind of want them to be facts of life. And um, that, that that's, would be hard to do if we like lived in a, a gated community where everyone was, you know, everyone's house was cost between 300 and $370,000. And the diversity was like going down the street to the neighbors that only had, you know, one car garage or something, you know, that's, that's a that's scandalous. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, I was describing y'all's house, too. <laughs> the house that you're uh, you grew up in. That was uh, that you're. I don't know that, how. I'm amazed that he did this, but you you grew up in a, a very very small house uh, that was um, like a '50s ranch kind of situation, uh, where you kind of walk in the door and you're in the middle of the living room. And, yeah, that's uh, right. Your, your entire house could have fit inside of one of the large houses that my family bought out of, you know, I don't want to say out of necessity because plenty of people squeeze big families into small houses. But, uh, I mean, I was the oldest of seven, so we always had a big old house because uh, we could swing that. And then one day y'all said your dad was basically like, surprise, I've been saving money for 18 years living in this shoebox. And then they bought a really nice house. It's amazing. Yeah, right. Like right before I was, you know, and then you left for college. <laughs> old enough. Uh, um. Anyway, actually, in retrospect, my house was my original house by the numbers. I think it was eighteen hundred square feet, and it did have a one car garage. <laughs> yeah, saying that now it would have been small, but as a kid, it just felt like as much house as anyone would have. Um, yeah, like my well, kids, my, my kids are in a bunk bed and we're in like 15 or 1600 square feet and I'm pretty sure they just, you know, roll with it at least for now. Yeah. Well, kids, every, yeah. Um, it does remind me of the time that you very briefly lived down the street from me and had yeah. your, the, the house was small, it was a temporary situation and you did have your own room being the eldest, but it was. Hello. You actually took up the entire. Oh no! Your face. Hello. You're cutting in and out. Uh, oh. All right. You said Wait, hello. 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 No, you're fine. We'll just go with it. Oh, so, nice. uh, the, what you were describing, I can I can fill in that gap, which is that uh, I had a double bed and I was in one of these bedrooms that was about thirty inches wider than a double bed. Is that where you were going? <laughs> yeah, there was a spot for things to get stuck beside the bed and the wall. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah. but it was fun because you live like biking distance from me, and we would like hang out and ride around the neighborhood with walkie-talkies trying to pick up baby monitors. Or I, I want to say that cool was around things. the time that you you dug a hole in your backyard for no reason. Do you recall that hole? I mean, it's a notable no hole. Reason? Oh, Did I mean, it was about this. It was. There was sort of a reason. It was a the notableness of this hole was that it was not a uh, large sort of hole shaped hole. It was a vertically vertical wall hole that was probably about four or five feet deep, uh, in like uh, well two the, feet wa- the uh, square. Would go this the ceiling being a piece of plyboard. Oh, I forgot would, there was a ceiling to the hole. Would go over our heads, so it was closer to six feet deep because you know I'm probably about five foot. Um. Yeah, I had to fill it in eventually because parents are paranoid that their children will be buried alive. I can't imagine, but uh, I don't know. There's something about digging holes. You never had that instinct as a young boy? Uh, I mean, I would go like tunnel through some bushes, but digging a hole is an awful lot of manual labor. I, I don't feel like I saw the... Uh, oh, well, I did out for some of it. You what? I had my little brother... Oh. I did outsource some of it. At one point, it was like a mini little Egyptian camp there where I had 
like a rope tied to a basket that was pulled over like a branch type setup. And I would have them hauling basket loads of dirt out of the bottom because it was so deep I couldn't like toss the dirt up over that. And then I'd just have them dig and haul. And uh, it was, you know, not bad. Wave wave palm branches, feed you grapes. Yeah, I ran out of people. There was only two of them. So I just, you know, manual labor. It was it was uh, Ryan, right? The next door neighbor kid. He seems like he would Close. dig a hole for Brian. you. Quite. Brian, yeah, yeah. Brian would go along with pretty much anything. Um, yeah, I got him stuck in a tree at least once. Um, if there had been a television show broken. about your house, the Brian would be easily cast as the sort of <laughs> sort of. Uh, <laughs> mopey next door neighbor who would kind of fall for anything i think i think brian was a better scapegoat than me in a lot of situations and for that i was i respect brian (laughs) he took a lot of bullets for you (laughs) oh man Uh, i really i want to keep poking at this like uh like time at which you uh break break it to your children that every that every rule is a construct (laughs) Uh, basically, um, uh, I was, it was never broken to me. I will say that. I think that might uh, be one of the reasons uh, that you're asking the question. Uh, I just const, well, it was so strange because it was just a process because I was, I was a very questioning person, but I was raised in a family where my dad was very curious and scientific, but also, you know, very, um, a very specific uh, type of Christian, dogmatic, and thankfully, I would say, a very positive type of Christian and role model. But right, I should say principled. That, that, That's a kinder way to right, put it. Yeah, certainly. But you know, definitely, the, the there was dogma, and so I, I I saw it was a good example to follow, and so I was very, you know. It was this weird clash of me wanting to question everything, but me thinking, uh, yeah, uh, what's the word? Um, you know, by example, that, you know, this seems like a good way to be. So, yeah, I don't know. It was right. ever explicit. Yeah, and I, I think that for us, we're talking about this all the time with a seven-year-old is a is a age <laughs> where it, you kind of have to pick the things that make sense on a seven-year-old's level, but there's no reason to... Bur- you kind of want to ease them into all this stuff. Um, I think that's mainly what I want to do, is I don't want to drop an existential crisis on his head when he's seven, but I also don't want <laughs> to uh, over-assure him to the point that it's going to set him up to have some sort of a follow-a-party uh, uh, personal, you know travails when he's 14 or whatever which you know doesn't even in that's sort of the worst case scenario because even people have that happen generally you know a lot of them take it well but well and and we're talking about 500 different things right like there's the there's the there's the realization there's various realizations about yourself that keep happening for your whole life there's uh, real, the, the one day realization that your parents are not infallible and that happens for everyone in different places. So, you know, there's a realization that school is, uh, you know, a, um, also kind of arbitrary that jobs can happen a lot of different ways. Like, that you, like you can make money by, uh, some, uh, the relationship between hard work and money isn't as straightforward as, as some people want it to be. There's a million different things, right? I mean, you're just, Yes, it, it 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 can't even breaking it up into things itself is just so we can get a handle on some of the more obvious pieces. I mean, the the sort of back picture is it's all perspective to some degree. Yeah, someone said that. I don't I don't know that I absolutely believe that, but that the idea yeah. is true enough that yeah, it's like. I don't know. I think if you sort of know that up front a little bit, then it's a little bit 
you can build it into your thinking a little bit more than like thinking, hmm, let me rethink the last 40 years of my life. Right. And so if I'm, if there's, there is a different, there is not a, a one dichotomy of I'm either, uh, in the process of learning all of the ins and outs of the only true perspective about whatever it is, or the, the opposite, which is since it's all perspective, nobody's perspective matters. It's more, uh, to me, it's more of explaining to him the value of both his perspective and the equal value of someone else's perspective, uh, that he might like how to be interested in other people's perspective or learn from theirs or whatever. And even with, I mean, in much simpler, like seven-year-old terms, that means that we do not uh, say there's some things we don't do, and I'm going to list them, and I'm not super interested in uh, beating anyone over the head that decides to do these things, but like we we don't spank, uh, we don't tell him because I said so. Uh, we try to always give him a uh, reasonable like explanation of why we set up a rule or a guideline. Uh, and we just keep explaining it, right? Like if he doesn't understand it the first time, we explain it more. Even when he was like three, before he was really capable of explaining it, we would still err on the side of explaining it, even though like probably 80% of what we were saying was going over his head. Our, our, our hope mm-hmm. was that the earnestness of what we were trying to accomplish with him was enough. Um, and I think, think we're doing okay i don't know like every parent you're kind of like winging it in the way that feels uh the most uh, true i guess uh the most genuine and uh i you know some days i i am really proud of that other days i worry that we have explained rules to the point that he is overly concerned with the source and result of every rule but that might have happened anyway in some more more unhealthy way if we had explained rules in a less in a less healthy way you know yeah, you just got to pick away. Everybody's so different. Um, you also got to believe that it's just not going to work the same way with everybody. But I think, I mean, this applies to pretty much everything, but parenting especially. I just have to pick what I think is the best way to do it and commit to it or be honest and follow through with what I think is the best, but always imagine it might not be the right way to do it. I, well, I mean, I try to imagine, I try to imagine his perspective. With something you think is better. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if it wasn't the thing that I thought was best, I guess I wouldn't do it. Uh, That's a justification, I guess, for everything. I I, I know some, some people who it's true of everyone, but some people it's very obvious that they decide something at some point and then they just sort of lock that down because, you know, it's easier to just lock certain things in place so that you can just focus your energy on being like, this is the best I can do and I'm going to focus my energy on this. But I don't know, locking things in place and never revisiting them is... Yeah, yeah. It's just too dangerous. Well, I mean, a the way I see it is, A, the kid is a person, and I will try to explain myself, give them, you know, a fair, a fair shot at understanding my reasoning, just like I would explain myself to an adult or anyone else. Um, and oh, I've lost my second thing. It just jumped out the back of my head. Oh, that um, I think that your life is cumulative. Uh, and it's something I've thought a lot about, especially in the last few years with, with kids that it just, that everything you do, like say you spend a year of your life, um, with your hair dyed black or, you know, say you, I don't know, just painting a word picture here. Say you decide to (laughs) bleach your hair pure, like double bleach it until it's as white as it can be and then spike it and wear it like that for a year or whatever. Um, and only wear shirts with cartoon sickmen on it. Uh, you know, it, it takes a long time for that to grow out and I didn't want to shave my head. <laughs> so I ended up <laughs> oh, with, yeah, right. That was it. I had sync spikes for a while. Um, but the, I, I try really hard to think of those things as I think thinking of those I, parts of your life as phases is cutting. I think it sells yourself short, right? Like there are, 
things that you learned and reasons that you did certain things in certain times in your life. And you're always going to have those experiences that you didn't have. So, you know, every year stacks on the previous year and it is, it is, uh, equally meaningful in a different way, I guess. So like I, I have a, I have a hard time thinking of any part of my life as like one that I'm, uh, not like ashamed of, but one that I don't want to like get rid of any, any era of my life as a phase. And when I look at kids, like he's, you know, he's going from five to six to seven. And every one of those years is a, is more cumulative learning about like life and how mom and dad treat you. And he's, he's building up these ideas about how the world works and how rules work and things like that. And I want to, like, I want to, uh, keep those things consistent and heading in some sort of a good direction. Because I think a lot of the time people try to turn over a new leaf, right? At the beginning of the year, you try to like, uh, exercise more or, um, not drink for January or, uh, you know, lose 30 pounds or whatever. It's really hard for you to redirect your life like that. And it takes a lot of willpower. And for like a six-year-old, any sort of life redirection has to be even harder. Like, like so one day you're like, I'm going to treat my kid totally differently. We're going to turn over a new leaf. We're going to do chores like this. We're going to uh, change the way we punish or the way we do school or whatever. And I have to imagine that that feeling that an adult has of like entropy and the the willpower it takes to change is way harder when you don't even have like a fully formed idea of how the world works. Does that make sense? That was yeah, I think, no, I think it might not come across as hard like it is for adults. I think it would be disorienting, which would make it because a lot of the things that they're doing and thinking at that age aren't as conscious. Um, they, they, aren't sort of thinking about their, their thoughts as much. So yeah, I think it would be, I think it would be very difficult in a way of feeling a little less secure, a little more like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know? And so, uh, you're really, yeah, that's very true to consistency. Um, in that, yeah, it's, it seems very important. I mean, I'm not saying constantly like redo everything, but um, it's something I always try to keep. Well, I mean, I, I think this conversation as a whole shows that both of us are um, pretty actively reevaluating parenting decisions and stuff uh, <laughs> uh, to a to a large degree. I I think that just a huge part of it for me, even when he was little, was like if he's a we didn't like I, I still don't like. Uh, shrugging off like oh the kid two two-year-olds are terrible three-year-olds are terrible it's like or especially in front of them or making jokes about terrible twos or bad behavior or any of this like people will like complain about their kids in front of their kids which i think is a super bad look even if it's like a toddler right and i think that like a three-year-old is a two-year-old plus some time and if you're if the kid's understanding of how things worked when they were two is always going to be how they thought of things when they were two. Right. So then like, if you want to suddenly expect your two year old that became three to act differently, why, (laughs) you you know, that's going to take some doing. Um, Yeah. And it progresses. I mean, I've read some actual science (laughs) about, excuse me, professor, uh, Brian, uh, he's not a real scientist. Brown. I wish you would um, stop visiting drchildbrian.internet. It's not a good website. Uh, it just redirects yeah. to a Tumblr. Yeah, that's where all the doctors are, I think. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, honestly, you hit me with that and I can't remember. I'm sorry. But, uh, that, was, uh, that wasn't my goal. But I was worried that if we didn't get funny soon, we would stay too topical for too long. Oh, topical. It's terrible. I know. I mean, uh, I don't know. We it's I think yeah, go ahead. No, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Uh, all right. <laughs> Professor Childrain, there was a ceiling on the hole. Um we I mean, we managed to avoid talking about how we probably dug a 6-foot d- deep hole in the backyard because there was no internet at the time. 
Um, so I'm proud of us to not fall back, go back to that well or six foot deep hole. Um, hmm. Uh, do you have anything uh, on our list? I'm, I'm kind of like getting, I'm softening on the whole like bring a list to the podcast concept. I feel like it's uh, forcing us to bounce away from topics before we have fully beaten the topic to death. Okay, well, fine. Let me just think real quick. Um, I don't really have a lot of parenting tips. Hmm. Uh, well, I have things I do, but I don't know if I would presume to i don't know either if i would presume to tell people to do so or would want anyone to know what i'm doing as in in so doing avoid all judgment right it's like it's like uh to me it's like fitness tips it's very hard or (laughs) diet tips it's very hard to give someone fitness or diet tips because either you are very fit or diety and in which case you are generally insufferable and um or you are not fit in dieting, in which case you have no uh, real well, real authority on the matter. And both of them are very hard to do without just <laughs> yeah, being judgmental, right? I, I have this thing where I I like to read a lot of sources, you know, if I'm cooking or exercising or whatever. Because people have such divergent opinions, I like to read a lot of things or hear to what people say. And then just sort of like try out my own little things that... I think makes sense based on what I've seen, but and in all areas of life. But then I have this, I get really self conscious if I'm made to do any of that around other people because then most people will have, you know, the pieces of the opinions I pulled things from, and in a lot of cases, I, my my little amalgamation of them probably even isn't a great idea, but I'm trying it. So for instance, you know, when I go to the gym, I have like some weights and stuff at home, which uh, is convenient for me in my situation. But I have some time to go to the gym at work now. And I just, I'm like, I don't want to do anything that isn't the normal stuff. I get really like, I don't want people to see me like doing a weird side lift with a weight and just like, you know, being like this guy, he's gonna he's gonna hurt himself, or being like this guy, and I know I shouldn't care, but I don't yeah. know. I like to just do my own thing. There's a, there's a weird. Uh, I think uh, I I completely understand. By the way, and I know that they tell you that everyone in the gym is also thinking that, but I I don't. Not, not all of them. I, yeah, I there's there's. Yeah, I'm still. I I was the same way. I had when I had a garage. I had weights in there. I don't. I can't remember the last time I've been to a, a gym that wasn't like a hotel gym on a on a work trip. But uh, there is that um, tension between having, I think, a, a tendency toward an enthusiast mindset, but also a fear of actual real enthusiasts, <laughs> or like you know, uh, <laughs> a, you know what <laughs> I mean. Like I want to be. I yeah. I'm sort of have my ideas about like I did the whole thirty, or like I like. I, I was into bar lifting for a little while, but then I would talk to like a dude at work that was actually into bar lifting and immediately feel stupid. Um, or like, yeah, you don't want to, you, you going to get into certain diet trends, but, um, or like be a, a travel person. I feel this way about travel people. Did we talk about travel people on the show? Travel people, travel like, people, what, like people who travel and like, and post a bunch of pictures. Yeah, or? yeah, like a tra- so I like travel I lo- bloggers. Sure, a travel or a foodie, a, f- a foodie. Uh, you know, okay. they're foodies. I we could talk about foodies because uh, I do we eat have a lot to not then that way as an example because <laughs> it's closer to me than a travel person, and so I'm not going to be as treating them as other as I would. So, sure, sure, what's sure. the example? So, a, of a travel person. Um, I mean, like if, if I enjoy traveling, uh, but there is a, I always have this fear that I'm going to, uh, not fear, but you go to like a travel person's Instagram or whatever. And there's like a oversaturated photos of their month in Vietnam or their, you know, uh, they go to Machu Picchu and hike there. It's just a series of things where I feel like I, I feel like they are so used to traveling that now I don't even feel like special looking at their pictures. They just are a, 
It, does that make sense at all? There's You're like jaded a, for them. I think I'm pre jaded. I think I'm I'm projecting jadedness to where I I am much more excited to see like a a few pictures of someone going to a place they're genuinely excited about than I am to see like some dude in like a straw oh, hat okay. in like all, a you know necessarily kill your enjoyment. No, of oh, if you were to go, but yeah, it's, it's like. The person never left their hometown before, and they get to see Tra- yeah, the tra- ocean. Travel you know, that's about inspiring. Like, and then this right. person's like, which beach haven't I been to in the world? Right. Let me go to that one. Like, I'm terrified. Whenever I talk to someone about a town I have been, I I sometimes want to share experiences in that town. Like, yeah, yeah I've been to this city, and the other guy's like, oh, I've been to that city, too. It's awesome. And you talk about it for a minute. But if you go... I've been to this city and they say, oh, yeah, I spent a, you know, I spent a month there and then I backpacked down to Istanbul or whatever. <laughs> and, and you're immediately like, oh, my like semi my five days that I spent uh, where I ate one good d- dumpling place in like North Berlin is is immediately been one upped by the fact that you are a travel person. And, mm, and now my yeah, my the, you know what I mean? Ugh. Yeah, we're getting into the very pertinent realm of uh the internet making every accomplishment feel worthless uh which is a thing that's always existed but um you know the the current communications make it just very obvious how do you have a way of coping with that personally uh i i mean i (sighs) I feel like I const not in a way that I think is uh prescribable. <laughs> I guess I I almost never use hashtags because I feel like I don't want my vacation to be another like result for a hashtag search. I I feel like there's a lot of ways that I You're perp- trying not to be part of the problem, but are you affected by the problem? I I mean I don't think I'm affected by the problem. I don't even hold specific ire towards travel people necessarily. It's just it's a phenomenon that kind of bums me out because it feels like too much of something to the degree that it, it bo- I guess it bothers me. I don't know. I you're going in and out. I'm gonna hang up and call back in just a second. I'm getting cool. some. I'm, you went staticky. Um, I'm gonna toggle my Wi-Fi. I'll be right back. Hello. Hello. All right. Yeah, you sound a little bit better. Maybe that'll maybe that'll freshen it up. Ooh, where'd you learn to toggle Wi-Fi like that? <laughs> uh, Wi-Fi school, uh, French class. Uh, so. Ah, uh, now I understand that reference. Uh huh. I didn't. No, wait, I didn't. For maybe years. you weren't making a reference. Oh no! Are I, we uh, talking about Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? <laughs> yes. Okay. And, and I didn't get that joke for years, years and years. I was homeschooled. Um. All right. I guess I don't. I, I'm. I don't have enough ire towards travel people to truly go off on a righteous rant. But the foodie thing is the same. Actually, the foodie thing is maybe worse because there's less accomplishment in the foodie thing. A foodie thing. A lot of the time is I ordered a food, and then they take a picture of their food. Um. And sometimes that is special, right? Like, oh, I went on this special trip, and this is the best meal I've ever had. La. Or uh, it isn't, and, and a little a little bit of that is subjective judgment, I guess. Like I've decided, yeah, it's what they're doing it right? for. I mean, I yeah, think we're I back so. to needing to somehow see how a person's motives are and how authentic they are, and sure, we can't do it. Our personal, like, eternal preoccupation with judging authenticity—it haunts me. I, I just I just started to like. I just retreat into myself i'm just like intensely staring at everyone like just at work (laughs) and i should be conversing all i want to do is look at every instagram post at at face value but i mean it i I can't do it so Mm -hmm. i just i just don't hashtag things i guess how do you because there's there's a there are people and that's how they see it and maybe I should stop telling them it's not like that. I think well, they're just happy. 
I'm not telling them they're... So this is an important detail, which is I am not out there banging a, a like an authenticity gong at people. I'm just... I mean, I'm... You're I'm, just trashing everyone's posts. I'm just, just like... Nope, not authentic. Zero out of ten. No, I mean, I'm I'm maybe trashing them by like from a from afar with a podcast, but I'm also like simultaneously trashing my inability to not just like let them have their hashtag and enjoy their trip to Bali or whatever the hell. Uh, Oh man, Uh, Archer's also going to a um, a Ninja Warrior thing. I'm very excited about that for him. Like a. A filming of Ninja Warrior? Yeah, it's a, a miniature Ninja Warrior course. Yeah, it's like a little bitty Ninja Warrior thing. Um, so instead of what I did as a kid, which is my mom bought me some purple umbros that were too short and uh, put me in a gymnastics class where it was me and I think one other boy and then like five girls. I was probably like nine. Whatever, um, I like gymnastics. Oh, I, I, well, of course you did. We've discussed your, your your ability to have any sort of like physical intuition when it comes to um, your body moving around. Uh, I was uh, proprioception. I was. Wait, what? I said proprioception. I've never heard that the, word. Um, well, I believe it means the ability to tell where your body is physically. Um, in space easily. So like, mm, I know I don't have that <laughs> and you put your foot down and then the ground's a little bit further than you thought bad proprioception. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well I can walk. So I, I at least have a base level proprioception Funch- functioning. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done a flip off a diving board. I'm not, I'm not totally useless. Uh, anyway, the, this was a gymnastics class where, uh, I think I was in it and it was mostly just a jumping and stand and stretching and stuff, and then they got to the first class where you're supposed to. Uh, oh, I was good at the rings, but then there was a class where you're supposed to uh, vault and do a flip. And I think <laughs> I think I left the class after that that one. <laughs> I just remember one class where they're like, "All right, walk up to this thing and jump," and then the 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 teacher like picks me up by the waist and rotates my body in the air to show me how I'm gonna flip. And I was I remember being like, "This is literally never going to happen." <laughs> I have You're no like, clue. For both of our safeties. Yeah. We're going for, to part ways. Sorry. For everyone's sake, we're going to. Uh, so this is not that. This is um, miniature Ninja Warrior stuff. Like they're they're hopping back and forth on angled platforms. And Shannon sent me an extremely adorable video of him running up like a tiny warped wall. Um, awesome. Yeah. No, I'm super excited because I have suffered through three or four seasons of soccer with this kid where his basically the way he plays soccer is as the cameraman like if you were watching a soccer game and there was an on-field cameraman sort of following he's an, the action he's a spectator but he gets to run around with the action yeah that actually sounds like a lot of fun uh, uh yeah except uh, i mean yes it does sound except fun. except for the disappointment in your father's eyes when you return to the bench <sighs> well it's not dis- it would be more disappointing i think if he was disappointed but he's not even like <laughs> In, interested like uh his very first soccer uh team had like a score display up and he would get very upset because he saw the score on the display ever since then without the actual like score quantified somewhere visible i he couldn't tell you at the end of the game who won or who scored or whatever like he just at no point does that kid automatically join a team like psychologically you know what i mean yeah and I- well, I want to say it's pretty common. That's been my experience, but then we mostly done baseball. But I look, and there's a lot of kids on those teams that are like, are that are into it, and and like this is there. This is what they do for a living. All of a sudden, and it's not even when parents push them into it. It just seems like a mentality some kids naturally have, and like uh, and. Um, for instance, Liam played T-ball. See, this is very parent talk, but I mean, this is real. This happened. Liam played T-ball, and yes, the kids had varying levels of interest, but you could tell which one Liam was because there would be some people kicking dirt, there'd be somebody standing a little off of the base where they were supposed to be, and then Liam would be facing the opposite way of the batter. (laughs) <laughs> with his hat on backwards and his glove on the wrong hand. 
<laughs> like, you know, I I don't even, I could even go on and make it more elaborate, but that was the most obvious setup. And then, you know, you'd yell at him and or call out to him loudly and he'd sort of eventually come to and if the ball rolled near him, he would sort of watch to see what happened. Like you're saying yeah. with Archer. It's like, hmm, I wonder if anything's going to happen about this. <laughs> what do you know? And, uh, Look at this ball. You know, he's physically capable, but no, it's just not a I, I think that's his thing. That the, well, that's why the the video of the warped wall like choked me up a little bit almost is because oh, wow, he yeah. he was he was running harder up the warped wall than he had ever ran in soccer and I think he found he, his motivation yeah his motivation is uh, to compete against himself which I really relate to um, man back with t ball I w- I did three and four year old t ball so it was like. Uh, the the kids were had never done t-ball before. I think we talked about it before. Like everybody gets a chance to swing and walk one base. The last yep. kid gets to hit a quote unquote home run, which just means everyone get around the bases so the other team can bat. And we had uh, a kid. Uh, Shannon would hang out with the moms, and she was blown away by the 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 fact that basically they're and I, this is super foreign to me. Maybe isn't to a lot of other people, but they would just talk about their kids in terms of the sport that they picked. Um, they were like, oh, yeah, this is, uh, this is old, eight, old. Picked? Yeah, old Graydon or whatever is three or four, and now he's the baseball kid, and their other kid does soccer. And they're, they're just planning, at that point, they put him in at three, and their plan is to keep him in baseball until through high school or whatever. Right. Uh, like, I, I am acquainted with some people who, whose kids are very into sports is the main thing. And so they're on soccer and baseball. Those seem to be the two most common, Uh but we're talking most, I would guess half the weekends out of the year traveling to go places for these things. Oh yeah. And up here it's hockey and apparently it's like thousands of dollars. And if you're in a high enough hockey team, you're driving four hours round trips on the weekends and stuff like that. I Um, just think I lack, I, I never felt that way about sports even though I enjoyed playing them. So maybe I have some skepticism that another person could, but I think they do. I don't think all the parents push them into it. I don't know. I'm sure it's a combo. I just don't want to like not be pushing them to do things for the sake of making them try new things. Well, I mean, I, I, Shannon would tell the parents like, oh, I don't know. We're putting Archer in you know, T-ball this year. Maybe we'll try soccer next year or something else. And they just kind of, kind of like blink at her. <laughs> um, there he's was gotta, he's got to develop those skills. There was one kid on my team who was really good, and his parents ran a gym locally. And he he was uh, not that much older than Archer, but he was bigger than Archer. He clearly had his like his handle on how to move. You know, at that age, it's so, there's this huge gap between kids that even know how to like use their bodies, right? Like, there's kids who can run. There's kids that just are too timid to even really run. Then there's kids like this who have like a lot of body control for like a four year old. And that kid was like immediate, like he was crushing balls off the tee. So I had to pitch to him just so he would stop hitting everything against the fence. And his dad would stand, and this is every, every T ball coach's worst fear. The dad, <laughs> the dad wouldn't sit in the bleachers along the first base line with the rest of the, um, the moms and dads. He had a, he had a, uh, a lawn chair. And he would go set up directly behind home plate, behind the fence. So I'm pitching, and and he's looking at me. I'm under, I'm underhanding balls basically directly <laughs> at this guy's like very muscular gym dad, who's like scowling at me. And uh, <laughs> oh man, it's it was there was a lot of things that that were sort of you know there's a fair amount of pressure in making sure that you put up a good showing as a volunteer coach for all these three year olds. But uh, having this guy stare me down through his like Oakleys as I attempt to hit a eight inch tall strike zone on a four year old, so the kid can crush mm-hmm. a ball and get his dad proud of him. Uh, that so that's yeah. the, that's actually the darker part of the story is that kid never <laughs> never stayed afterwards for snacks, and then after the last game when we all went to get burgers, uh, and, and I was like, you know, everyone it was awesome. Those kids are calling me Coach Cameron, and ev- we were hugging, and everything was cool, and. That kid uh, got taken away by his parents, who were not going to go take go to eat burgers. Probably you know what it was or something. It, it was they had 
meticulously lined this up with another league and scheduled it. He wasn't just doing one game a day. He was moving on to his next game. This oh. is real life. He was well. I hope that someone gave him a hug before his next game because he, <laughs> he was crying when he left, and it is still no, something to think about. He was yeah. crying when they took him. Yeah, yeah this he, should not be allowed. He wanted to come to the burger party, and he couldn't. Uh, yeah, nah, man. I I am so bad. I run from those situations. If I feel <laughs> that there's a person trying to be trying to be more serious about a thing than I think it warrants. I just, I escape. I can't be around it. That's probably, it's not a great, uh, I mean, because it's subjective. It's not a great trait, but I don't know. What? Drives, yeah, uh, escaping I mean, from anything. But <laughs> Retreat as a default action in a lot of cases is maybe not super inspiring. Uh, I don't know if I would, you know, I would, I would write a, um, let me advice ask you this. about if that. If you, if, if there was a situation, a life threatening situation mm. and you were nearby, would you run towards it weapon or no? Or would, or would you say you would after the fact, which one of those things? Uh, I'm based on some very, uh, I'm going to say toxic dialogue that's been happening on my <laughs> Facebook regarding, <laughs> Uh, not only life-threatening situations, but the necessity to maybe equip yourself to um, deal more damage than a hypothetical intruder might, uh, and the legality thereof, and one's rights as pertaining to certain amendments, I'm going to say I'm going to need a more specific question, because I don't want to deal with all of that right now. Uh, I think I was trying to protect you by making this question vague. Oh, I see. Uh, I mean, who's you can hear what I'm talking? You're aware of the m- more recent comments I'm referring to, I imagine. Uh, that you're referring to? No, I mean, oh no, am I gonna? I don't. I don't know. I don't I, even know if we should. I can always. I don't know which comments you're referring to. We can always edit this out. What are you? What are you? What? Uh, well, tr- um, President Trump. Oh, you're talking about that. Oh, that. Yeah, no, that's that's absurd bullshit. Like, yeah, I, I see where you're going. Sorry, I, I was... Mean, it was a crazy thing for uh, a human to say, even if they were somebody who would legitimately have done that. But it, it, I don't think it... Every time I think it, there couldn't be something more absurd, then there is. There's a there's a distract there's a threshold beyond which I just have to like the, so the reason this is this that I wasn't sure what you were going to talk about is because I have recently been accused by family members of um within literally two hours from now that I am uh, neglecting some sort of familiar responsibility by not having a gun so that I could then neutralize someone that might come after my children a quote unquote thug thank you. Uh, relative on Facebook for the language. This is a public conversation with a relative on Facebook. I think it's then been deleted. A names redacted for uh, <laughs> everyone's everyone's ability to carry on in polite society. But yeah, so sorry, I forgot about the insanely stupid thing that a large orange man had said about something that he would obviously never do. Um, I was thinking about the personal accusation that had been foisted upon me right. so that's well, I can see you walk directly into that or in your or in your immediate thought pattern yeah you um, had no way of knowing that i'm sorry you were trying to set up well a no joke. that's actually more interesting <laughs> in it well it, i i hesitate to call that a joke that is a very it's macabre it's hard to even make it lighthearted to discuss it's inherently uh, parodical should <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh well no and the the uh the, the the interfamily communications I've uncovered with this are even more juicy. No, so. they're not. It's we we really should move past them for everyone's well being. <laughs> my uh my tea bag has uh input here. It says I just looked down and noticed my tea bag on the tag says your strength is your own belief. Um so there's what that's my tea bag's opinion. Well that puts a new spin on it. Mm. Every, you know, everyone who's their own hero is actually pretty well off now. <laughs> uh, my, it's the most affirming tea. 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, inanimate objects trying to affirm me sort of weird me out. I mean, I, kn- I know a human made it <laughs> at some point, but it, it's real easy to throw me into a spiral of existence <laughs> questioning. You really, so you I, really need to I read fewer tea bags. Not to talk to What'd you say? <laughs> I said you need to read fewer tea bags. Also, you very clearly have never been part of a marketing department. Uh, when I see something like a tea bag saying that, all I think about is um, someone in a marketing team being tasked with putting like some they're like uh the um management says we need uh we need more brand messaging on the tea and you know we need to you know the guy the guy who runs this tea place he shows up uh once every two weeks um he, the rest of the time he's at burning man and uh he he comes mm-hmm. in and he says you know we're we're taking this we're we're transcending we're going thirty thousand feet with this thing the tea the tea isn't just tea. This isn't. We're not just a tea company because this is how marketing works. You're never just the thing. You're you're not a. You're a lifestyle company. You're a, you're a message. You're a peace. You're spreading. You're spreading tranquility. You're spreading peace, and you need and that and eventually three layers down from that, somebody is contracting. Uh, they're calling printing companies to find out where they can get a two color uh, screen print done on a on a tag, and then they're. Uh, stuck in a brainstorming session where uh, people are making suggestions. And next thing you know, my T says your strength is your own belief. But all I can see is your marketing department had an awkward assignment. Yeah. You know what? That is, in that context, I think it's a little more affirming, really, because I know what's going on around me. (laughs) (laughs) What I... (laughs) You're right. What I think is actually off-putting in reality is how easily and quickly we anthropomorphize things like or subconsciously even you huh? a hot sauce packet oh, says yeah. i wish i wasn't alone or i don't know they put stuff on these things you, man marketing and, departments either love or hate you and i can't decide <laughs> they they say these things and you know it's the it's the furthest thing from an animate object or a, a living being. But your brain automatically assigns it that category and you sort of wonder about this hot sauce's motivation for feeling that way as, a, as an exercise to yourself. It, but we really do. Um, hey, have you seen that video of the the robots that were opening doors recently or any of the Boston dynamic stuff where they like kick the robots and they try to keep themselves upright. Oh, believe me. I mean, I'm on Twitter. Those every one time, one of those come out, I see it posted 12 different times and zero 12 okay. out of 12 I, times. Someone goes, Oh wow. Technology is amazing. And 12 out of 12 times people go, well, we're all going to die sooner now. So you are on the internet. Oh, I'm on the internet. Let me tell you about the internet. Mm. So, addition, I feel the same way. I like to see the things, and I've taken to just not even bothering with the comment on it. And after saying that, I'm going to comment on it so you can all stop listening. <laughs> it, you see it, and if it acts remotely like you, the way that balance works for it, it's imitating, or, or, or it maybe just arose from. Uh, layers of how they've written these algorithms but right the point is you can see in its reaction to balance your reaction to balance mm-hmm. and you immediately imagine naming the thing or in drawing implications about how it feels about being kicked which is another joke you hear a lot you know and, and it's a joke but what's happening is that things that don't even look human that uh, clearly don't have any feeling or, or higher level thought. We just accept as such. So imagine a somewhat convincing humanoid robot. Like, it's going to be nuts. People are going to be wanting rights for these things right off the bat 
Maybe they should. I don't know. But uh, we just have fragile psyches. We're too easily fooled. I well, I first of all, I think I enjoy your I think your take is so much more whimsical than mine, where I immediately go down the the marketing team sausage making rabbit hole. Uh, and whereas you are, um, you know, assigning personalities to a hot sauce packet. That's adorable. I, I'm jealous. Uh, the uh, the the robot thing is weird. I think uh, ultimately. The um, everyone goes through phases of dealing with seeing one of these robot videos. The first one is, "Oh God, we're all going to die soon." The second is, "Wait, it did take a long time to open that door." Well, so much for doors being the thing that protects us against the killer robots. Time to think of something that, like jokes about you know, oh, the one that jumped off the of tall buildings. It's like, oh no, now the killer robots will will have figured they've solved our tall building puzzle, right? Like this, the sarcasm, uh, and then, but I think that where we're at with that stuff yeah the the realization that the reaction like the servos and whatnot creating a uh balance it resembles living things balancing right like i think that's where the humanness of it comes in it's that it it doesn't just like lock into place and and it 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 rocks back and forth and it compensates and when that one video where the guy's just a jerk to that robot and kicks it over like you start to feel bad for the robot because the robot's just a, you know, it's just trying to walk. Um, but I think we just haven't reached the uncanny valley of the robots yet. Um, so, like, the the lifelikeness is that, you know, Rasa Dynamics, which they all look kind of like a, um, someone ripped the bottom out of a, um, like a, like a, a really expensive grill and then, and then uh, you know, made it go really loud as it walked around. Uh, it seems real because of the reaction stuff, but one of these days they're going to try to make one of those look like an animal and it's going to be freaking garbage. Like you see the Japanese, uh, uh, or the, you know, I don't know why they're ahead of this, but I feel like every time I watch one of these videos, it's a Japanese thing. Like the robot faces are still safely within the terrifying nightmare territory. <laughs> I've never seen one where I'm see, like, oh, that looks like a person. We're in trouble you're, now. You're going to be caught off guard. Oh, you guaranteed. think they need to look like us. The point I'm making is that we will already accept them implicitly as some kind of beings before they look anything like us because they can react and act on their own. And to us, we just can't help but see that as a thing with agency because you're not telling it what to do. It's just doing it. So, oh, oh no, I was, you've done, you're too late for you. Yeah. I was, I thought we would be safe in the uncanny valley of robots that looked nope, like rubber nightmares. Looks like, um, great. You're you right. You already said you felt bad for that robot that got kicked. Oh shit. 